Well, hello and welcome once again to Speaking Scripturally. To those who are new, my name is Luke and I started this channel so I could help people and just be there to guide people through the Bible and talk about topics, topic, talk about themes and issues going on in culture. As yesterday, I put out a podcast speaking on certain prayers that were said in the nation's capital and during the inauguration and all of that. And many people may not have heard of these prayers, but during the this, I believe it was the 117th session of Congress. The, there was a man got up who was a pastor, supposed to be a pastor of a Christian church. And he got up and said a prayer. And he invoked names of false gods and all of this, that, and the other. And then at the presidential inauguration, there was a man who's supposedly a Christian, got up and said a prayer and ended it in the name of our collective faith, which basically was alluding back to the same thing. So... I talked about that yesterday, and I may not have had some good clarifications in certain aspects of that, but the whole point of what I talked about yesterday was how that is sin. That is wrong. It is against God, and anything that is against God is sin. And those men sinned against the one true holy God. And because of that sin, they will answer for that sin one day, because sin is not just mistakes, it's not just mess-ups, it's not just, oh, well, you know, maybe that person, they, they could have done better, but, well, they just didn't. Sin, no. Sin is an act against God's pure holiness. And those prayers that those men said the other day was against God's holiness. They called on a false god. They called on collective faith, not the name of Jesus Christ. That is blatant, overt sin, and people selling out for the culture. And that is something that we should all fear. That is one reason why today I wrote a blog, which I also have a blog, which could be found at www.speakingscripturally.com. And the reason why I said the www in front of it is because if you just type in speakingscripturally.com, or this is the way it has been, it will not bring it up. You have to type in the full deal. So, until for some reason that'll correct, I don't know. But you need to type that in if you want to find my blog. And I wrote today on discipleship. And there's a reason why discipleship was weighing on my heart so much. It's because th that right there, those prayers, these men who have gone through seminary, they're seminary-educated men. And they still get up there, and they prayed that way. And they went through seminaries. At least one of them that I believe, if I looked into it correctly, is not so much a progressive seminary in the age frame they are. But they're very liberal in their leanings. And a lot of Christianity has gone into that liberal leaning, into that progressive Christianity. And you'll find a woman out there podcasting and writing books and blogging by the name of Elisa Childers. She speaks very, very, very much against progressive Christianity because of its false gospel. They have turned Jesus Christ into something that Jesus Christ is not. They have removed the purpose of the atonement. Why Christ came and died, they put it as cosmic child abuse. So they're saying anybody who believes in the fact that Jesus Christ came and died for us as a uh, sacrifice in our place to satisfy the depravity, you know, to be the ultimate sacrifice to satisfy God's holiness, they're saying it's cosmic child abuse. And well, they're wrong in that because Jesus Christ willingly laid down his life. He willingly came to be our sacrifice. 
He willingly came and died so we could have a way to spend eternity with God. All the Old Testament sacrifices spoke of this. They all demonstrated it and brought it up that there had to be a shedding of blood. Hebrews chapter 10 tells us there is no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. So when we try to change things because it just don't sound culturally appropriate, that's not just altering. That is sin. That is against God. And that is not a good place to be because God does not look on sin and smile. He punishes sin. He rains down wrath and judgment on sin in some aspects. One way or the other, you will face judgment by being that way. So why, how does this tie into discipleship? Well, discipleship is very, very, very important for the Christian life. We see in Scripture all throughout, all throughout Scripture, starting way back in the first five books, we see people discipling. We see in Genesis, where there was lack of discipleship, where there was lack of growing, we see favoritism put towards other sons, which causes grief within the family. We see it with Jacob and Esau, where Rebekah loved Jacob more, and well, Isaac loved Esau more. So then we see this massive family problem, this massive struggle, and just hatred towards one another, instead of them discipling and growing them correctly. We see it with Joseph and his brothers. And then Joseph gets cast in the well, and then he gets sold to slavery and sent to Egypt. So we see a lack of discipleship, and we see this favoritism pouring out, and we see people getting bitter in hatred. So there was no discipleship in that respect. But then into Exodus, after a while, we see that where Moses gets Joshua and starts raising him up and growing him up into the leadership place that he was going to have to fill when Moses was gone. And we see that Joshua led a very successful campaign into the land of Canaan. They conquered everything that God said they were to conquer. He was faithful to God. And we see at the end of Joshua going into Judges where everybody was faithful until all of those who were under Joshua had died. Well, there was no discipleship apparently in growing there because they were faithful until all of them who knew Joshua's God and knew the ways of God, knew what they were supposed to do, had died. And then it was a falling away. Well, we're seeing some major issues here today very similar to that. We have many, many, many strong Christian people who are scholars, who are professors, who are pastors, who are out there writing and doing so much good work to go against this type of lifestyle that people are so choosing and then trying to tack Christianity onto. But the problem that we're facing is the lack of discipleship. You can get books. Not everybody can pick up this thick, super scholarly book of some form that somebody who's wrote and grasp onto the material. Now, there's people out there who can without any kind of extra education other than just their, their knowledge that they've gained through just basic school and studying the scriptures on their own and all of that. Uh, but there's some people that just don't quite grasp it as well. And all new Christians are not grasping things that well. So they all need discipleship. They all need some kind of growth. They need somebody to come in and guide them. See, looking back into the Old Testament once again, we see in 1 Kings and 2 Kings where Elisha left behind all of his stuff. He didn't just leave behind his house and his farm and his ox and his plow. No, he took his plow, built the fire, and sacrificed his oxen on that fire to God and turned and went with Elijah. He completely forsook everything he had. 
to follow this man of God. So we see this happening. We see discipleship happening right there, a man dedicated to do it. Well, we get new believers who have that same dedication, but then nobody comes alongside them to help grow them, to help build them up, to help them to follow the Lord appropriately. They just hear a message, they believe upon Jesus Christ for everlasting life, and then they're on fire for the Lord, but nobody will take the time to spend time with them. They just let them go and come to church and do this, that, and other, and then they start drifting off into who knows what, reading books they shouldn't be reading, starting to follow pastors and teachers they shouldn't be following, and the message those people are putting out sounds so good, so nice, because it's love and happiness and joy and peace and harmony, which is things we all desire, but they're teaching Scripture wrong. They've twisted it and turned it. See, they didn't have an Elijah to train them. They didn't have a Moses to train them. They didn't have that. So they twist and go off into the wrong area. They fall away. They're, they're not faithful. See, they start out strong, like in the parable of the soils that we see, and I believe it's in Luke chapter 9, where there's certain soils where they sprout up. They believe, and they sprout up, and they are doing good. And, and, then, and then they fall away when the ways of the world come upon them. And then, you know, there's all of these things that are happening. And people just, just just fall away because they've never had discipleship. And there's a struggle to it. And people just don't grasp what is going on. And, oh, it's in Luke chapter 8, I'm sorry. And he's talking about how he goes out to sow, and so it falls on the path, and it gets trampled underfoot. And those are the ones who never believe. They just, you know, hear it and don't believe. And then we have the others where, you know, it falls on rock, and it grows up, but it withered. Because it had no roots. Had no roots. Had no moisture. Some fell on the thorns and the thorns choked them out, but some fell on good soil. See, so we see these different types here of happening where people believe or they don't believe, and then they, or the ones that do believe, and then they are choked out by the cares of the world, which are the thorns and thistles, or they land on rock and they just can't get strong root, and there's no moisture, so they wither. All of this is going back into the discipleship method because not too long after that, we see Jesus saying you know, to take up their cross and follow him. He's not telling people that they have to take up their cross, the same cross he bears, but they need to take up their cross. In this time and age, back then, in the old, I mean, New Testament, you know, first century culture, we'll say, the cross was known to be torture, death. You, you took up your cross and carried it. When you carried it to that hill, you were nailed to that cross and you died. So what he's saying is be willing to give everything up. Be willing to die for this cause. Be willing to do this. He's not telling them that this is what you have to do to be saved. This is part of discipleship. This is growing. This is becoming a more faithful, solid believer in Christ. And that's what he says over here in Luke 9. <clears throat> And he tells them, that if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? So what we're seeing in this text, and that's Luke chapter 9, 23 through 26. We're seeing 
that taking up your cross and following Christ is being willing to give up everything, <clears throat> being willing to sacrifice, which we see in these uh, souls over here, the parable of the sower, some weren't willing to do that, and they were choked out by the cares of the world. So discipleship is something that we really, really, really need to build up and focus on in today's culture because the Lord has called us we are saved absolutely 100 percent you know for by by faith through grace you're saved by, i mean by grace through faith you are saved so we know that our salvation is sure and secure in god because he's the one that gives that gift but verse 10 of that ephesians chapter 2 8 and 9 that i just quoted there says but we're saved unto good works we need to continue on we need to go forward and grow not just be stalled out and then do nothing where we could fall into sin and become like those pastors I spoke of yesterday who said those prayers which were calling on false gods and they were sinning against God where you know that's that, that's just terribly sinful and tragic that we have people doing that and there's people out there who honestly believe that that is perfectly fine that they have done absolutely nothing wrong in doing this they think that this is being a Christian that this is what they're supposed to do because that's how they've been taught and sadly the problem is they have the Bible to read and just a cursory reading of the scriptures with any kind of legitimate reading into it will show you that Christ is the only way there's no other gods there's no other method it's only him and that God is a jealous God Deuteronomy 6 4 you know for I am one God is one we're not here to worship multiple gods there's one God who came and sacrificed for us and when people fail to grow in that then they go down that path and they start falling for the ways of the world they get choked out by the cares and worries and concerns of the world they see suffering well they've never fully studied and understood where God is during suffering and evils and atrocities they have never really fully understood that the reason why there are evils and sufferings and atrocities in the world is because of the fall that humanity has fell into sin that we have brought this on ourselves so all of the wickedness all of the evil all of the hardships in this world including the earthquakes hurricanes tornadoes and things like that is because of the fall Paul tells us in Romans that the creation is groaning. That's in Romans chapter 8. Until the you know, glory is revealed to all of this is brought and made new. So all of these groanings and these things that are happening are happening because of the fall. Romans chapter 5 says death entered because of the sin. So we die because of that. So that's why there's evils. People know the tree was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When they ate of it, they learned good, they learned evil. So people become evil. People kill. We see Cain killing Abel. It all comes about because of sin and wickedness. And when we turn and we start worshiping or giving prayers to false gods who are not real and doing that, that is sin. That is evil. That is wickedness. It's not what we are to do. And people fall for that because they think, oh, well, these people are just so nice. And reading in Elisa Childers' book, Another Gospel, she was talking about a babysitter when she was young that was mean and vile and vicious but proclaimed to be a Christian. But then she knew of this Buddhist who took poor people in and fed them and gave them you know, a place to sleep and a shower and clothes and did all of these good things. She's like, well, why? 
But this Buddhist is going to spend eternity in hell if they don't believe on Jesus. But this nanny, who was mean and, 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 and vicious, is going to spend eternity with Christ because she is forgiven. She's been saved. You know, depending on whether she was genuinely saved or not. There's some people who claim to be saved who are not. We all know that. But we can't tell it. God knows their hearts. So if this nanny, this babysitter, was saved, she had truly believed on Christ, even though maybe she was mean, that doesn't, I mean, that doesn't revoke her fact of being able to spend eternity in heaven. But the Buddhist, because he has not believed upon Christ, will spend eternity in hell. That is tough to grasp. And that's what leads a lot of people away. But see, people are looking at the outside. They're not looking at what God says. God is holy and righteous. And if they reject him, and they're trying to get there, which is what most all, or not most all, false religions are working their way to God. They're trying to earn their way there. They're trying to have enough good works. And that's the downfall. And there are people that abuse grace. Absolutely, there's people who abuse grace. That's why we need to disciple more. That's why we need to grow people more. That's why we need to be, as Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. That is discipleship right there. That is spoken, yes, to Timothy who was leading churches there, but the thing is that is pointed at every one of us who are in Christ. We need to go out and preach the word to people, but we need to be patient and we need to teach them. We need to reprove them. We need to rebuke them and we need to exhort them. So when they're doing wrong, we need to let them know. But when they're doing good, we need to let them know. We need to build them up. We need to give them the solid meat of the word. They start out on the milk of the word. The basic readings, the top reading of scripture that all can understand but they need to go on to maturity as Hebrews chapter 5 rolling into Hebrews chapter 6 speaks of let us go on to maturity let us leave behind the elementary principles and go on to maturity but people can only go on to maturity once they've been properly discipled and if we're not going to spend the time and we're not going to try to disciple people then what use are we we're not truly serving. Paul tells us also in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Well, Christ went around sharing the good news. Paul went around sharing the good news. But Paul also trained people just like Christ trained people to be faithful followers. So our jobs are not just to preach a message or deliver a message or witness to people. No, that is the failing. One of the failings of the church is we have decided that all we need is Jesus. All we need to do is go tell people about Jesus and things will change. Well, no, that's wrong. We have to go and share that, but we also have to grow the people. Because if we don't grow them, they're going to go out and fall away, more than likely. You look at all these evangelists who have gone around the country for years and years and years, like the Billy Sundays, the Billy Grahams, the Greg Laurie's and all them. And I, I believe they firmly have done great work. But the thing is, if all the people that have come to faith in their, that their messages that they have said have come to faith in their messages, this country would be different had all of those people been discipled and grew up in Christ. See, the church has failed miserably in the discipleship. We have forsook discipleship. We have not trained up the younger believers coming up 
And the thing is, we have a bad problem within the church of thinking younger always means literal physical age of younger. Not always. You can have a person my age who's 36 years old, and they could be more mature in faith, a more mature believer, than a person who is 96. That person could have just come to faith. So just because a person is older does not necessarily, older in age, does not necessarily mean they're more mature. So the more mature believers need to help develop the younger believers. And we have to be willing to discuss and talk about topics that are hard. We have to be able to talk about homosexuality. We have to be able to talk about sex outside of marriage. We have to be able to talk about the genders. We have to be able to talk about all of that and share it and grow it with people because I can guarantee you right now, if we don't do it through the lens of the Bible and share this with the younger people, and especially these new generations that are coming up and being just brought up in this culture where a lot of us weren't brought up in this, if we don't share what the Bible says about all those topics, about the things that this culture is saying is correct, I'll guarantee you the culture will train them up and they will act how the culture designates them to act. And that is not good. We do not need that. We need to continue to train them up because if we do not disciple them, we can rest assured that the world will. And that right there is something we need to fear with tremendous fear. Because if the world trains up our younger generations, if the world gets a hold of our new believers and twists and turns them, they're going to be like those men who said those prayers and were praying to false gods, claiming the name of Christ. And that is using the name of the Lord in vain. And that is a sin. And again, I want to repeat it at the end here. Sin is not just a mistake. Sin is not just a failing. Sin is not just a boo-boo. Oh, I, I'm sorry, I, I did wrong. Sin is an insult against the holy nature of God. It is a rebelling against God. And sin that is calling on the name of another God is an abomination. Because you shall not have no other God before me. God is God. And if we call on some other God, we have utterly rebelled. And people do it all the time. But the thing is, we've got to stop using minor, small words for sin. When somebody sins, we need to call it sin. It is sin. If you act this way, if you have sex outside of marriage, if you have homosexual marriage, if you have any of that kind of stuff, all of that is sin. It's not just wrong it's not just a mess up no it is sin and sin is wicked we have too much in this culture feel like we know what sin is that we don't preach or talk on sin enough but sin is just a flat-out attack against God and it's horrendous and it's something that we should all hate all Christians should hate sin but the reason why sin is running rampant, the reason why we've watered down the words against sin and started calling it other things rather than sin, is because we've stopped discipling, we've stopped growing people, and we've start, started letting the culture infiltrate. And we cannot do that any longer. So my prayers with all of you who are listening to this and watching this, that you will go on and help grow mature believers in the faith so they do not fall for the ways of the world and fall apart and do things that are just wickedly wrong and then just call it a mess up. 
If you want to see more on topics such as these, please check out my blog at www.speakingscripturally.com. And you can also find this same podcast here, if you like it in video form rather, over on YouTube at Speaking Scripturally. So God bless, and you all have a wonderful day, a wonderful week, and go forth and help make disciples of all believers in Jesus' name. God bless.